Hey folks, welcome to the Georgia Field Hunting Podcast, episode 44. I'm your host, Brian, can't kill an Alabama deer grossman, and <laughs> here with co-host Robert Nelson. And yeah, today we're going to we're gonna talk a little bit about our very recent Alabama public land deer hunting trip and uh, going to that. We actually got a couple of uh, interviews scheduled, had them scheduled for the first of, or, well, this week. And, uh, those, those both got rescheduled. So we had to move to plan B here and we figured we'll just go ahead and talk about what happened on a recent trip and a little bit about what we saw, what we learned, that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, well, we'll this one will probably be fa- fairly short and sweet, but maybe you can take something away from it. Uh, if you've ever, yep. ever thought about going out of state or going to Alabama for public land hunting, then you can listen to this and change your mind. No, <laughs> no. save your money. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it, it, we had a good time. I will say that. Yeah, um, we did. Short of you know, just about freezing to death. But <laughs> I don't know, man. Where where you even want to start, Robert? With the oh with the trip. man, um, it was definitely an eye opener experience. I've hunted Alabama before, but I hunted private land, so that's the first time I've been to public land in Alabama, and it was. It was an eye opener. I don't I think our biggest takeaway was me and you were both really surprised at how much deer sign we saw not to see a single deer the whole time. Well, I mean, <laughs> while, while on stand. I never right, seen right. You, you saw the one uh, the second morning when you were driving back to camp that was coming out to cut over and we jumped a couple, which we'll get more into that uh, in depth in a little bit. But just to see so much buck sign and trails and tracks and i mean not even see a spike or a three-pointer yeah. or a little doe i mean it was it was definitely an eye-opener and i don't don't know why why we weren't seeing the deer you know but um i think that was my one of my biggest biggest confusions the whole trip was just why we weren't seeing anything because of all the sign that was there yeah yeah i'm with you there it was definitely uh I don't know. I mean, that's, that's something. Uh, I guess it's going to take multiple trips to to, to figure out, yeah. you know, exactly. And you know, there's there's part of me too that I don't want to read too much into it. Um, we were only there for a few days. You know, only got in a handful of hunts. It just may have been a bad time. Um, you know, there, deer movement just might not have been happening. It ain't like we seen a bunch of people hauling deer in, you know. Right. But there was a few. We seen a few over at the skin and skin and rack. I think they were all does. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you in that the sign was incredible. Um, there was more sign than I see on on the places I hunt here in Georgia, <clears throat> as far as um, buck sign and just deer sign in general. Man, the the trails and. Uh, yeah, the, the rubs, scrapes, everything. And, and I'm not talking about old sign either. I mean, yeah, yeah, there was there was old sign, but we were seeing plenty of fresh sign um, since the, the most recent gun hunt, which, you know, it probably didn't help us that there was a, a gun <laughs> hunt just about, what, four days before we got there yeah. um, w- that had over 1,100 hunters checked in on this WMA. And the WMA is, is a little less than 20,000 acres. So that's uh, that's a lot of people, man. That's, yeah, that's a lot. When you got a hunter per 16, 17 acres, man, that's a lot. Uh, I would not want to have been out there for the gun hunt, but no doubt, you know, that has an impact on the deer and the in their movement. So 
I'm sure that played into it, but you know, it's, this is the rut or the timing of the year for the rut there. So you kind of, you know, if you want to hunt the rut, you're going to, you're going to hunt close to one of those gun seasons. There's no way around that. Um, They were getting ready to have another one starting this Thursday. So if you're listening to this on the, the day it, it launches um, tomorrow, I, I believe tomorrow starts the next gun hunt there. So we were limited. I mean, we could have held off a couple more days and hunted, you know, more into this week, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to take multiple trips, I think, to really nail down what's going on and how to best hunt those deer. But did you have any big takeaways, you know, that, that you learned or, um, something for next time when we go back because i mean i definitely want to go back one one because we got just our butts kicked for three days you know i can't (laughs) yeah two i feel like there's good deer on that property it's just maybe we need to go earlier in the year maybe we need to wait a little later um you know closer towards the end of the season for them not sure what it is but did you take any big takeaway points for next time man i just um i don't know i mean we're just just gonna have to keep hitting different types of habitat i mean we went into this thing or i went into well i know we both did but i went into it you know picking out the same kind of spots that i that i pick here on georgia public lands you know we were looking at ways to to get away from access which was pretty tough there because this place has a lot of roads yeah um it's hard to get too far away from the road without being near another road but we did. I mean, I think we managed to, the area that we were started out initially concentrated on was about as far off the road as you could get on, on this WMA. So, you know, we were looking at those kind of spots. We were looking to thick cover because uh, we knew these deer had been pressured. And the sign was there. You know, we, we jumped. We spent we walked uh, about nine miles on that first day we were there. Yeah. Um, that was the first day was just strictly a scouting day. And we literally walked around nine miles. Um, according to our both of our cell phones and it took us a couple spots i mean everywhere we went we were seeing some sign but the last place we hit you know there was just all kinds of sign all kinds of fresh sign and it just looked like man i thought we'd hit the jackpot really uh the spot you had picked out i was really confident in i felt pretty good about the spot i was going to be in and uh, they just weren't there so yeah i don't know i mean i guess it's just gonna be a matter of trying some different spots maybe maybe we try some more obvious spots and and don't you know don't necessarily try to get away as far from the crowd as we think we need to maybe we try hunting closer to some green fields we had a guy yeah we had a guy approach us um, as we were leaving i wish we'd uh, met these guys a little sooner but um, they just got there right before we were leaving but the, the guy's been hunting it since the 70s and uh you know, he'd kill some good bucks out there, but, you know, he'd been hunting a lot of years, too. I don't know how his success ratio is to, you know, how often he kills a good buck out there. But, you know, he told us when we were just kind of picking his brain about what kind of areas to look at this time of year, his first thing was they're on the green fields. Well, you know, that was the type of spots we were looking to avoid and figured everybody right. and their brother had hammered those green fields. Now, the sign was there. We went and looked at a couple of green fields, not, not to hunt, but just happened to happened by some and i happened to check one out that was near another spot i was wanting to hunt just to see if they were hitting it and then they were definitely all but one field we looked at they they were was definitely getting hit yeah but you know i just figured that was late night activity but heck i don't know on the next one maybe maybe a scout a, a green field not hunt right over it but 
you know, find a good green field, find where they're coming into it and back off a couple hundred yards and, and give that a try. Um, I wish we, we talked about this while we were there. I almost wish I'd have brought a few trail cameras. They yeah. might not have helped us on the hunt as far as being able to kill a deer, but maybe we could have gained some intel on what they were doing uh, when they were hitting those spots that we were finding. And um, I, I don't know. It, it's like I said, it's, I think it's going to take multiple trips to, to really figure those deer out. And I definitely like to, to hit it earlier, maybe next season, get out there and hit it a little earlier and, and still maybe do a later season hunt too, but just try some different things and, and get to know the area better. We've already talked about going out there in the off season and, and doing some more scouting just to better prepare ourselves for, for what's out there. Cause I mean, you know, it's a big area and we only seen a very small fraction of it. So, right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, that first morning i thought we were in the money the spot you were hunting was in between two really thick area pines i mean a bunch of scrapes rubs tracks all in the area and we actually jumped a deer uh out of that spot the first day when we were scouting so i was feeling pretty confident about it and then we went up the ridge to the spot i eventually picked that i wanted to hunt and i don't think i've ever seen so many scrapes and (laughs) <laughs> one one area i mean every no. limb that possibly could had a scrape under it and a lot of them i mean were broken off the sap was still wet that was coming out the end of the limbs on the pine limbs so i don't know i mean i found that shed antler right there in that area too which tells me that you know bucks are hanging out in there the one i guess one of the biggest takeaways that i took away from this trip right there towards or after i sat down and was looking back at you know, everything we saw, everything we did was the deer were holding in just the thickest, nastiest stuff possible. I mean, we jumped, what, three deer yeah. while we were there and all three of them were in places that, I mean, you, you really couldn't even hardly get into. No, um, we never laid out. We never laid eyes on any of those three. You just <laughs> right. heard them busting out. Right. And we were jumping them within like 50 or 60 yards of us. But yeah. it's just so thick and nasty. You couldn't see them. And. I mean, the only way to hunt it would be find a deer trail like the one, the uh, deer, the second deer we jumped right there above that food plot on that ridge that I think, you know, that buck was laying in there. I'm pretty sure it was a buck. I don't know. We never saw it, but it was real heavy. Sound like I could hear some tines hitting, you know, some limbs and stuff as he was busting out of there. And we, we went down the deer trail and the trail that I'm assuming he took out when he busted out. I mean, there was a big rub right there on a pine tree right on that trail. And, but that's the only way to hunt it is to hunt one of those trails. And, you know, then it's just a crapshoot if he comes up it or not. Yeah. And, uh, it's just maybe, maybe that's how we got to hunt it. I don't know. You know, would it guarantee to see a deer? No, but you know, it's never a guarantee anytime you go, but, it just seemed like all three deer we jumped, that was the same scenario every time was it was just the thickest, nastiest stuff on the place that nobody could really get in the hunt. I mean, the only way to hunt that stuff is either off the ground or in a saddle. I mean, you couldn't get in any trees with a lock on hardly or a climber. So, no. um, and that, that was the biggest takeaway I had. Cause I mean, <laughs> the, the cutover we scouted that I hunted, the second afternoon, I mean, we saw buck beds in there. The trails coming through there were just out of this world, but yet there was no deer in it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the the tracks were fresh because there was a rain event before we got there sometime in the near near couple of days before we got there. There was a big rain event. And then, 
I mean, the tracks coming off these trails were fresh. It's not like they were two weeks old. I mean, they, they were since the gun hunt had happened. And But when you're hunting these spots, the deer aren't there. So it's telling me they're just holding up in that thickest, nastiest stuff till it's darker right at dark. And then they're starting to come out of that stuff is is pretty much what I took away from it because the areas that we were hunting, if you're hunting that stuff here in Georgia, you're going to see deer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, I, I, I don't care. You're going to see deer. I mean, the spots were too good not to see deer. It's not like we were just hunting wide open flats of oaks that didn't have any acorns on them or anything. I mean, we were hunting thick edges between pines and drainages, cutovers and drainages, cutovers and pines. I mean, anything uh big the big longleaf stand that was i don't know how big that that thing oh, is yeah, right there, I mean, but i mean it's all waist high chest high grass it's stuff that deer would be in but that's the only thing i that's the only takeaway i could take from it for next time was maybe we do have to hunt that thickest stuff or like get inside of it to really catch them on their feet because yeah. i mean the the drainage i hunted the that afternoon the, the first afternoon I set up originally in the pines on a trail in the thick pines. And when I say thick, I, I mean, the same scenario. You're shooting one trail and that's it. If the deer doesn't come down that trail, you're not shooting. You you may not even see it. And But, I mean, in the pines, there was trails, scrapes everywhere, big rubs, uh, droppings. Every trail had droppings on them. So the deer are coming through there. But maybe that's the way we have to hunt it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm trying not to put too much into, you know, our, our experience because it was so limited. And we, I mean, we didn't hunt the same spot twice. So, you know, I've, I've hunted good spots on WMAs that I know well and not seen deer. You know, it can happen. Right. You know, you're just the wrong night, you know, or the wrong the wrong morning or whatever the case may be. So I don't want to play too much into it and think we were just completely off base. Um, because one thing that, that kind of built my confidence is, as you know, we had a, a buddy of ours, uh, contact me that he, uh, he lived over there and hunted at WMA a good bit for at least a couple of years while he was going to college and had had some success, uh, killed multiple bucks off of it. Good, but mature bucks. And, uh, he sent us some pins and every one of those pins, we had dropped our own pins or scouted within a hundred, 200 yards of, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we were we were thinking right along the same lines as where this guy had hunted and, and had success. Um, and even I even hunted one of his spots. You know, it was a spot we we had already looked at close close by. And then he told me specifically where he had killed two bucks in the same season. Uh, and I went in there and hunted it and didn't see a deer. Um, does that mean it wasn't a good spot? Or, you know, was I just in there on a bad evening? So, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, same same situation with the the spot i hunted the first afternoon was a spot he had hunted in the past he said he's seen deer in there every single time he hunted in there and i had actually dropped a pin in that same exact location and then i go in there and hunt it and don't see a single deer but there's <laughs> they're, they're sign everywhere so it's right. like you know yeah so i don't want to get too down on us i don't i don't think we were way off base uh, we, we might have to do some some tweaking in the future, but uh, you know I, I want to give it some more hunts before I just say yeah we were just completely in the in the wrong ballpark. But yeah, but. I'd like to go back in like maybe early December, uh, or maybe a little earlier than that if we can. You know maybe when some oaks are dropping and stuff, and the pressure hasn't really 
kicked in too high yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see if that makes a big difference. I definitely want to get some cameras hung, especially in those real thick places where we were finding all the sign just to see as the season progresses, if the deer are holding in that stuff more, if they're using, utilizing that more in daylight. Cause then when we go to hunt it, then we know, okay, we need to really dive into this stuff and hunt, you know, pretty much where you only have one shot or, you know, get out. The deer are still utilizing the oak flats and the edges and stuff like that. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting trip. It was a lot of fun. I definitely want to go back. And then I know we talked about potentially maybe next year going to Mississippi and trying down there late season, if we can make it work. Um, so definitely got some plans for some other trips, Kentucky, early season we want to do that get out there this spring and scout which that'll be a uh something we have to plan really alabama where we hunted we can just get up early one morning and drive over there and yeah scout. No, yeah that's no not problem. bad wasn't yeah. a bad drive at all yeah i will say this just uh if you haven't hunted alabama public lands before which we hadn't you know i was impressed as far as the area it, it was a it's a nice wma uh man a lot of a lot of different types of habitat there uh, I mean, it looks great. I mean, it has has everything you would want, you know, for a good deer population. Looks like it would be good for turkey as well. We're going. We might try some turkey hunting there this spring. Um, so, yeah, it was it was well done. Uh, some some of the roads when we got there were a, a little bit uh, a little rough. It had gotten it as Robert had mentioned. It had rained sometime in the previous day or two from us getting there and man those roads were sloppy when we got there mm-hmm. there were some spots that were just impassable you know i got a four-wheel drive but it ain't you know <laughs> jacked up 12 inches or anything in the air so uh it uh you know there were some places i, I wasn't gonna take it down some of those roads that uh, <clears throat> that were open you know they were open to vehicle traffic but not this vehicle yeah um but I mean, that's it, like I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was like, that was like when when we so we did see a buck on this trip, but it was at night and he was coming off the WMA. We were going to town. Oh yeah, that's right. And he, yeah. he was he was coming off the WMA a couple hours after dark. So I wanted to go into that area and scout. Me and Brian pulled in the first gate, and you go just past the gate, and I mean the hole in the middle of the road was so big you could have lost the car in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's how bad some of the roads were. Definitely take a four-wheeler UTV if you have one because you can definitely access a lot more places um, <coughs> that a car may not get through. Because I mean, you could you could seriously mess up a vehicle in some of those some of those places. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And there was <clears throat> there was several people u- utilizing those UTVs and ATVs to to get around. And I know that was another thing I mean, you were blown away by was, man, Robert got there just a few minutes before me and he pulled into the campground and we're on the phone and he's like, man, there are campers everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this ain't good. I really wasn't expect. I knew there'd be, we knew there'd be some pressure uh, just being that it's kind of prime rut time for this WMA, but you know, being an archery only hunt at the time, I wasn't planning on there being much in the way of, of hunting pressure. And uh, so, yeah, that, I was worried when he told me that. Well, we got over there and and come to find out later after we talked to one of the workers there on the WMA. But uh, you can just leave your your camper out there all year or not all year long, but all season long. Basically, you can bring it in um, what the near the end of September, I think he said, and stay there till the end of April. 
And that's what these people do. I mean, you can tell these campers are set up for the long haul, man. They got out decorations in the yard. I seen one that had a little (laughs) fence behind it for their dog. And, uh, man, these people take it serious. And, of course, on Georgia, the WMAs I'm used to, you you can't do that. You know, you can only stay there for like two weeks and then you got to move on. But So there wasn't near as many people as we initially thought. Uh, The pressure actually didn't end up being too bad at all. Even even as the weekend progressed, there was more people that came out to camp, but they didn't seem to be hunting. Uh, I think they were there. A lot of them were just getting there early for that next gun hunt. Yeah. So, but it was it was pretty cool. I mean, I can see the appeal to that. The people are basically pull their campers in there for the season, and it's deer camp for them. I mean, the guy that we talked to that had been hunting it since the seventies, that's the only place he had to hunt. You know, that's the only place he has to hunt, and so. I imagine he's probably in there a lot of weekends, um, just just hanging out. You know, there was multiple guys that were camping there together, and of course, it's all it all seemed like kind of one big community. Right. So yeah, it, I mean, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say it's a it, just a pretty cool, pretty cool little setup, really. Yeah, I mean, it, everybody we ran into, you know, which was only a couple people, but everybody we talked to was real nice, real real friendly you know they they offered to send us the spots and stuff like that you know so real hospitable over there especially for you know guys that hunt there all the time you know you figure they would kind of keep their stuff hush hush like we do which i wouldn't blame them if they did but we didn't ask the guy he was just like oh man i wish y'all were staying i'd send you a couple places you know y'all could go and check out and stuff like that but yeah it's definitely neat like you said i mean there was Christmas people had Christmas lights. I mean, they had <laughs> yeah. they had permanently built fire pits. Um, I mean, anything you could imagine was at this WMA. So it was pretty pretty cool to see. But I had the same, you know, like Brian said when I got there, I was like, holy crap, there are people everywhere. But to come to find out, you know, it wasn't the case. But oh man, what a trip! <laughs> yeah, you couldn't ask for better hunting weather i guess you could ask for better camping weather uh for, right. for two guys in tents uh yeah got a little got a little cold there a couple nights <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, another thing is if you take an atv or a utv which i highly recommend you can actually take that into behind a closed road into the woods or whatever to retrieve a deer but you better come out with that deer if you don't come out with that deer in a dnr a DNR personnel catches you, they're going to write you a ticket. But if you shoot a deer, you find it, then you can drive your ATV, UTV in there and get it, which is nice because, I mean, the first spot we hunted, we were like a mile plus from the closest gate and the haul went out of there would have been, woo. But, you know, when you can drive your ATV back there and throw it on the rack and drive it out, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And that's we're going by what the the guy working at the WMA told us. So right. it, be sure to <laughs> if you go out there check your regs first. But uh, he told us you know that you could use ATV to recover a deer. You just better have a deer on it, like Robert said when when you come out. Right. Uh, yeah. So you better you better find it before you drive in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. But uh, another another thing was uh, he told us you couldn't pack deer out. You could. Uh, yeah. I don't, I've heard different on that. But yeah, he he told us that you had to bring the deer out whole. Uh, I mean, you could field dress it, but you couldn't you couldn't quarter it up and pack it out. But I know guys that that hunt in Alabama that that cut up and quarter their deer, and I don't know if that's a uh, differs on which WMA you're hunting or if maybe that guy was 
was just wrong on that that, that part of it. But yeah, he did tell us that. And then you had to. Another thing was you had to, according to him, you had to check your deer in on the app, but also you had to take it to the check station and weigh it, record it on the paper. They had a book there. Um, so I don't know how accurate that was either that check it in and record it on the paper for the weight and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure on that. I thought the app took care of it, but um, yeah, a little, little different from Georgia. You do have to, not only did you have to check in, but you got to check out too as well. You got to yep. let them, let them know you left and what else was different. I guess that's mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, that's really about it. No baiting. It's probably oh, yeah. across the board. Um, trying to think of anything else. Oh, I guess orange. Oh, I mean, you, yeah. you, you have to wear orange on the bow hunts, according to the guy we talked to. Uh, we wanted to make sure we were legal in everything we were doing, and we weren't real sure. And he said you had to wear orange on the bow hunts. And, I mean, most everybody I saw riding around in trucks and stuff had, had orange hats on or horn, orange vest or so I'm pretty sure, you know, he was he was right on that one because pretty much everybody I saw riding around and stuff, they had on orange. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but once you get 12 feet up, you can take it off. And I don't know. I guess it's rather be, rather good to be safe than sorry, because I don't know if a DNR agent came in on you and you were hunting or a game warden and you had taken your orange off. But you were 11 feet up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know how that would play out. So I guess you better make sure you're more than 12. <laughs> not leave it discretionable so that's an interesting thing that you had to wear it on the bow hunt but you could take it off as long as you were 12 foot or higher in the tree um so that's different than georgia because besides on the bow only hunts and the bow only wmas on any rifle hunt you got to wear orange and you got to have it on visible at full times yeah um, yeah i know there's a lot of guys that take it off when they get in the tree in georgia but yeah it ain't yeah. legal <laughs> no it's not legal now what if i guess what if you take it off and you just hang it on a limb next to you or something. I guess it really, is that considered still legal? I've never really no, looked that I, far I, into I, it. I think technically you, it has, you have to be wearing 500 inches, whatever, 500 square inches of orange. So gotcha. yeah, I don't, I think they get you even if it was hanging there. Gotcha. Yeah. So I never really looked that far into it. Just wear it. Yeah. It ain't gonna, gonna deer can't see it. No, so. it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna impact your, your success wearing an orange vest. So, I'm trying to think of any other takeaways or anything different that we watch out for the vines in the roads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. First, I mean, we had just got to this place, set up camp, went to our first spot. We were going to scout, got out. I was pulling out the GoPro, you know, I was trying to document everything. I hadn't got 20 yards from the truck, hooked my foot on a vine and went face down in the mud pretty much. <laughs> I guess that was a, just a foreshadowing of the, the rest of the weekend. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, man. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs> I need to watch that footage because I had the GoPro rolling when I went yeah. down. So Yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to try to put a video out. Um, I mean, there's not going to be no shooting action or nothing like that. There won't even be a deer can... on that thing. It's a bad point. <laughs> Y'all can see what we scouted, how we went about it, um, the areas we were hunting. Did see a pig, got it on on footage. I uh, had one come in the, the second morning, and between trying to get the camera on it, which I was able to, and he was moving real quick. By the time I got my release on my bow, he had done move through my shooting lane. But So we did see a pig, but there won't be any action other than that <laughs> as far as seeing anything. But 
you know, there's some good laughs. And uh, like I say, you can see what we scouted, uh, where we hunted, what we, what kind of stuff we were hunting. And uh, obviously see Brian's blooper from the first yeah. three minutes yeah. of the film. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. Oh, well, uh, I guess on another note, Brian, I can throw this out there um, as far as just season in general. I know we were talking yesterday kind of about our success um and stuff and we we keep a log which we've talked about before both me and you um we keep a log of the hunts uh what we saw what we didn't see temperature wind wind speed the habitat we were hunting you know we did we both do it a little different but so i added up the numbers yesterday for this year and i set a total of 42 times which is pretty good you know it could be better but 42 hunts that's a that's a good amount of hunts throughout the season i saw 76 deer this year which was 25 of those were bucks and 51 of those were does so i averaged 1.8 deer a hunt which you know ultimately isn't a lot but it's not bad um i was at least averaging a deer a hunt you know seeing something every time i hunted which you know there was hunts i didn't see any i added that up i want to say i set 17 times and didn't see a deer so 27 times i saw deer 17 times i didn't which you when you look at it like that seems like a lot you know at times you didn't but i saw but then i broke it down even more i hunted 11 times on private land this year and 33 times on public and the 11 times i set on private land i saw 40 deer for an average of 3.6 per hunt and for the 33 sits on public, I saw 36 deer for a total of 1.1 deer a hunt. So either way you look at it, I was still averaging a deer a hunt, um, whether public or private, but the private number was definitely a lot higher. But that could have been due to when I was choosing to hunt public and when I was choosing to hunt private. Um, I hunted private a lot around the rut, so obviously a lot more deer moving, stuff like that. And the pressure is controlled you know, where we hunt stuff like that. So that plays a huge factor in it as well. And I'm, I'm going to try to break it down some more, kind of look at weather conditions and when I seen the most deer, when I didn't, or, and I'm going to do this for a couple of years just to, just to see, I know what research, you know, there's all these studies out there, but I want to break down my own hunts to see if there's any factors that I see that, okay, I seen a lot more deer during these conditions versus these, or, you know, I know the studies say there's no correlation to moon and, and deer movement but i'm gonna look at that and just see you know from my personal hunts what what the numbers were compared to what moon phase it was yeah um you know just for my personal reference but so i mean ultimately a good year 76 deer and 44 hunts ain't bad um it's a good number of deer 25 bucks that's a good number of bucks so i was happy with once i sat down and added up the numbers and what i saw and what i didn't see you know i was pretty happy concerning i average the deer hunt at least you know throughout the season yeah and i know a lot of people probably hear it and think well man that ain't you know ain't very many deer deer hunt but you got to think the type of areas that we're hunting too we're not we're not typically hunting an area where we're trying to see a lot of deer to start with you know we're hunting, we're hunting thick areas. We're, we're typically hoping for a mature buck. You know, we're not, we're not sitting on a big green field just wanting to see 20 does on a hunt. You know, we're hunting, we're hunting thick cover. And, you know, a lot of times that means you might not see a deer. You could have, you could have deer within a hundred yards of you and not be able to see them, you know, depending on what kind of where you're hunting and what kind of covers there. But, right. um, that, that, you know, that plays into it. So, oh, yeah. You know, I know a lot of guys probably see as many deer as we see in a year. They might see in a 
four or five hunts, you know, but right. it's a whole different, whole different situation depending on the type of terrain you're hunting. And like you mentioned, whether you're hunting public or private land as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, I set a third of the time on private as I did on public. I set two thirds more time on public than I did on private. And I saw more deer in the one third on private than I did on the two thirds on public. So, yeah. I mean, it's exactly what you're saying, where you're hunting, the, the pressure, all that. And then, you know, a lot of times at home, I'm hunting green fields. I'm hunting around food and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm sitting at Greenfield and I may see 14, 15 deer a hunt. But, you know, when you, you go sit at Greenfield on public, you, you may not see any deer yeah. depending on how hard it's been hammered. So then, like you said, with the stuff that I hunted was thick. It was nasty. It wasn't made to go and see 20 deer a hunt. It was to, to hopefully have a mature buck walk by. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, still, I haven't added my numbers up yet. I, uh, after you told me yours yesterday, I just kind of glanced through to see total hunts, but I haven't, I haven't broke it down yet. I'll have to. I think last year, I should still have it. I put, I put everything last year into a spreadsheet. I need to get it back out, and maybe I can just drop in this year's in it and kind of compare. That's that's where it gets the information really gets valuable. I mean, if you're just looking at one year. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot, doesn't give you a big picture. But, you know, once you've done this for a while, if you got four or five years of data, then you can start to see, hey, I'm, I'm seeing more deer now than I did two years ago, three years ago, right. or I'm seeing less deer now than I did. But maybe I'm maybe I'm seeing less overall deer than I did three or four years ago, but I'm seeing more mature bucks. Uh, you know, it can. that's where you start to get trends and you can tell whether you're headed in the right direction or the wrong direction or or you know, maybe whether things are changing on the property you're hunting, you know, if, if you're hunting the same spots, but your, your, your sightings are dropping, then, you know, that tells you something there that, that something's going on on the property or the areas you're hunting that there's either less deer or they're, they're just using other parts of the, the property. So. Right. Yeah. I can tell you that, uh, I've seen 25 bucks, five of those were mature. So, a fifth of the bucks I seen were mature bucks. I mean, there was a couple that were middle, middle of the class, you know, two and a half year old, three year old deer that I seen as well. And then a lot of, you know, spikes, three pointers, one and a half year old deer, or I'm assuming one and a half, they could have been two, two and a half, just not had really sprouted the racks yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so a fifth of the deer I seen or the bucks I seen was mature. So I think that's pretty good. I don't, I don't, I've never kept a law before, so I don't really know how to compare it to say, yeah, that's pretty good that a fifth of the bucks I've seen were mature bucks. Um, in my mind, that's pretty good, but that could be pretty bad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, that's that's where that trend, you know, in a few years, you'll be able to compare each year and say, okay, you know, back in 2020, a fifth of the deer I've seen were mature bucks. And this year, half of the deer I've seen were mature bucks. So, you know, I've, I've improved or, or the deer have improved, you know, just depending on whether or not you've changed your techniques or what spots you're hunting or, but yeah, once, once you get those, you've done it long enough to start seeing trends, that's when it can be really beneficial that information yeah i mean i in my mind that's pretty good that means one out of every five bucks i had an encounter with was mature yeah i don't think it's so, that bad at all um but and i can break it down a lot more which i haven't yet um but i'm going to so maybe we can touch on that later on just to give you all what what we're taking away from our data brian still got to break his down and if you don't keep a log do it um oh yeah definitely 
because it lets me know what areas I hunted at what time of year and where I had the encounters and um, where I really started seeing deer during certain months. Um, so definitely keep a log if you don't, and uh, it, it can definitely help you out in the future. I can definitely see it already helping me for next year, starting to focus my efforts where I want to run cameras, where I don't, you know, where I didn't see any sign. And I'm still liable to check those areas just to see because things change. But, you know, it's going to help me hone in a little more each year on, okay, I see mature bucks and I see two mature bucks in this 60-acre block, so I need to hone in a little more here and try to figure out exactly where they're living or where they're bedding or stuff like that. So, Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I look back on last year's because last year's when I really started keeping one again. Um, but this season, I look back multiple times just to see, okay, when was what when when exactly was I seeing deer in this particular spot, you know, and, and when was I not seeing deer in that spot and that kind of stuff, you know, it helped it helped me helped me make decisions on where to hunt this season based on what I saw last year. Like you said, things change. You you don't want to just base everything you're doing on what you saw last year, but it at least gives you a reference, right? All right. I mean, I know there's a, a lot of studies if a buck shows up in a particular area during a certain time of year, unless there's just a major change to the area and he makes it through the season, he's real liable to show back up in that same general area again the following year around the same time. Yeah. Um, so that could help you, you know, if you got pictures or you had an encounter on October 25th in a certain area and you, you've got pictures of the buck all year, you he's liable to show back up if nothing really changes in that area the following year. So it may help, you know, what days you need to be in there to maybe to capitalize on that deer the following year. So just some stuff to think about, you know, and, uh, I guess now, Brian, we're, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna release a couple more deer hunting podcasts for y'all. We got, uh, one I'm really excited. We're going to record tomorrow. It's something a little different than what we normally do, or I guess we're going to record tomorrow on the day we're recording this. So it should come out next week or the following week, but it's going to be something a little different than we normally do the normal average podcast about Georgia public land hunting. So I think y'all will really enjoy it. Give you an insight to a different part of the, the hunting world and you know, how it's different from our, our side and stuff like that, you know, and the, the challenges may be faced with it. I'm not going to give out too much details. I want y'all to listen to it, but, I, th- I think it's really going to be a good one. Then we got another episode coming up as well. If we can get it scheduled, um, this should be another good one as well. And then I guess from there, Brian, uh, it's time to scout, shed hunt, and get ready for turkeys. That's right. Yep, it's that time of year, man. It's one of my one of my favorite times outside of deer season. One of my favorite times of year just to to get out there and and tromp around on these WMAs and just uh, learn learn more explore areas that I haven't hunted and look deeper uh, more closely at areas that I have hunted and uh, man it's just it's a great time of the year don't to it's a great time of the year to get out there and uh, prepare start preparing for next season man don't don't uh, put all that don't all put all your gear away and uh, <laughs> and and you know turn to fishing just yet or whatever the case may be you know um if you're if you're a hardcore deer hunter man use this time of year to get out there and and learn new areas and explore the your areas a little a little closer and uh just you know get a better idea of what happened this past season and and what may happen in future seasons so 
I think it'll definitely make you a more successful hunter. Heck, the both of the the bucks I killed this year were in an area that um, I'd hunted in the general vicinity last year, and I, I'd seen a buck. May have been the buck that I shot uh, the opening day, but I, I don't know that for sure. But it was it was a area that I felt good about, and I wanted to to learn more, and that's what led me into it. You know, prior to this season. Uh, during the off season, I got in there, scouted it hard, found a shed or two, um, decided where I wanted to hang cameras, and and that's you know ultimately what led to me killing both those bucks in there uh, was was postseason scouting. So um, definitely take advantage of it. Yep, that's so what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get out and do a little hog hunting. Yeah, Try to. Yeah. Got a little while to do that still. So spot and stalk some hogs. Uh, talked to a couple guys. They've given me a couple areas that they've seen hogs, harvested hogs in, you know, the past. So check those out. And they're from guys that don't live here, so they live further away. So they they came. I put a post out, and they came to me on, hey, check this out, check this out. So definitely going to check those out, see if I can put a spot and stalk on one, let the 308 bark. There you and, go. Uh, you know, switch it up a little bit, put the bow away for a little bit, <laughs> try to switch it up. But yeah, Brian, that's, that's about all I got for this week, man. It's uh, I had an awesome time on the trip. Looking forward to trips in the future. Kentucky, uh, Mississippi, if we go back to Alabama, you know, and then some we'll, we should have enough points here maybe after this year for our antelope hunt and uh, out in out in Wyoming. So that be coming up and uh you know, we just got to get it on the calendar and make it happen. That's right. Yep. Good stuff, man. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have anything else. So if you're if you're good on your end, I guess we can wrap this one up. And uh, like I said, we'll have a, a couple more, a couple more deer podcasts coming here in the the next two weeks, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yep. So that's all I got. All right, guys. With that, as always, hunt safe, shoot straight. And most importantly, hey, just enjoy your time out there in God's great outdoors. And we'll see you next week. 